as the church has changed drastically for millions and millions of believers here in the last several months, year and a half or whatever, from a mostly Sunday experience with so many people in churches not sure of what's next, there is more and more interest in smaller communities of Christians mixing it up with their not yet believing family and friends in their neighborhoods, out of their homes, and living their faith out in a much more tangible way in everyday life. I hear and read about this now more than ever. And I have to be honest, like I've already said, I am excited and I'm hopeful. I really am. This gives me great hope. This is the way we've been living for years and this is what we've been waving the flag for for, yeah, decades. Is the missional community and missional church our best option going forward? for all of us, for the church, capital C? Will this work for us today or for you today, just as it has for thousands of years in every imaginable culture? Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Okay, I just got back from a little vacation to Florida, seeing some family, doing some boating and a little fishing. Mostly just letting the days take us where it needed to take us. I love not having a schedule full of meetings and decisions. There was nothing I had to do. I feel great. I really needed it. And it ticked off the three things that make a great vacation for me. It's my I call it my vacation three Bs. They're different than the church measurement old school three Bs. These are my vacation three Bs. For a great vacation, I need a beach. I need a good book and a good beer. Yeah, that's it. Not bad. And we did all that and it was wonderful. So I'm grateful and, but I'm rearing to go and I'm glad to be back in the saddle with y'all. Hey, have you joined us over on Facebook yet in the Facebook group, Everyday Disciple Podcast? We have a Facebook group over there. I would love it if you join us. You can search that up pretty easy. Hit join. We can talk about episodes, anything missional, anything you're facing, wanting to try. It's also an easy way to get in touch with me. You can search that up or you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook and it'll take you right to our page. And before we get started, I want to always extend an offer. If you're interested in getting a little bit of help with missional living, with setting up a full framework for discipleship and mission, if you want to grow in your gospel fluency, I'd love to tell you about the coaching that we offer. Set up a short Zoom call with you, get to know you better, a little bit of your story, and see if we can get you started. Tina and I do this together. We coach couples as couples. However, if you're not married, we'll still coach you too, all right? But if you're married, we wanna do this together as a couple, where it makes sense. You're one flesh, you're leading the same family. More information is available at everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. And you can get all the information and get in touch with us to set up that little Zoom call at everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Okay, let's dive in for the day. Over two decades ago now, hard to believe it, the missional movement began, or at least what we sort of refer to as that. It's hard to believe it wasn't even called that yet, only by maybe a few people. Daryl Gruder released his book, sort of became a big deal, called Missional Church, A Vision for the Sending of the Church in North America. He released that back in 1998. Oh man, that's hard to believe that, right? Here we are. 
And we started Soma Communities with a handful of other people and leaders in 2004. And we started that as an upside down way of planting churches by building missional communities of people who were disciples of Jesus, making more disciples in everyday life. And then we would recongregate those multiplying communities. And this new missional way of being, existing, engaging, well, it got a lot of church leaders and regular Christians pretty excited as it promised to transform the church and make loads of new disciples. And it was supposed to break down barriers in our culture and stop the decline of church attendance nationwide. Well, did it happen? Is it happening? Did it work or fail? Hmm, should you be steering your family or church community towards missional living and communities like that today in the wake of such a massive shift in the Western church? Things have really changed as we're emerging from the pandemic. With more outward focus happening these days and more Christians seeking to gather in homes, in community, thank God, it seems that we should talk about this. Is this really the best way forward? You you know where I'm at. I'm going to say, yeah, I think so. I recently read this quote from my longtime buddy, Mike Frost. He wrote his book called The Road to Missional 10 years ago. Okay, so more than 10 years after Guter. And he wrote it then saying, I wanted the book to be a gentle rebuke to those people who were saying, the missional thing was good, we liked it, but it's kind of over now. And he says, my point was that if you think this was a passing fad, the latest get church quick scheme, you didn't understand the missional conversation in the first place. Hmm, I've often heard it asked, is or was the concept of church as a missional community being the primary structure for making disciples just a pragmatic solution to a cultural challenge or reality that we are all facing? I don't believe that it is. I don't think it's just merely pragmatic or faddish and never was. Well, why? Well, like my original partner in Soma, Jeff Vanderstelt puts it, he says, missional communities are not a new program or methodology for the church but an ancient way of being God's people set apart for God's mission in the world. Okay, so while the name missional community might be trendy, the concept is really nothing new at all. It's deeply biblical and culturally transferable from one time and culture to another. I totally agree. I totally agree with that. So as we're facing new stuff and we're thinking, is breaking up the church or organizing the church, I shouldn't say breaking it up, but as is organizing our people into communities that live on mission, is that really the way forward? And we still get to gather them up, but we know that's happening for a lot less people, but we're still the church. Let me define what a missional community is. And a missional church would be a church that sees missional communities as their primary organizing structure. So here it is. A missional community is a family of missionary servants sent as disciples who make disciples. And you've heard me say that before, and I'll break that down a little bit. The a missional community are Christians who believe we are children of God who live and care for one another like a family, like a family who has God as their Abba Daddy and Jesus as their brother, and that we believe we're empowered by the Holy Spirit for this life. We are missionaries sent by God to restore all people, places, and things to himself through Jesus. 
fulfilling God's eternal plan of filling the world with his glory. And we see ourselves as servants of God who serve others as a way of life, showing people what God is like and what life in the kingdom of God looks like now in tangible forms. And we are together disciples of Jesus who live intentionally more and more like Jesus and helping others move from unbelief to belief in light of the good news of the gospel in every area of life. Well, that sounds like the church to me. That's the church that I see in Acts, in the epistles. That's never going to change. That's not a fad. Would you agree? So as the church has changed drastically for millions and millions of believers here in the last several months, year and a half or whatever, from a mostly Sunday experience with so many people in churches not sure of what's next, there is more and more interest in smaller communities of Christians mixing it up with their not-yet-believing family and friends in their neighborhoods, out of their homes, and living their faith out in a much more tangible way in everyday life. I hear and read about this now more than ever. And I have to be honest, like I've already said, I am excited and I'm hopeful. I really am. This gives me great hope. This is the way we've been living for years and this is what we've been sort of waving the flag for for, yeah, decades Is the missional community and missional church our best option going forward for all of us, for the church, capital C? Will this work for us today or for you today, just as it has for thousands of years in every imaginable culture? Good question. I say yes. But I've discovered that despite all of the past or current hype associated with missional communities or micro churches. That term is being thrown around about a month and a half back, several episodes back. We did a whole episode on micro churches and what they are, whatever they're called. And all the cool factor that's connected to this movement of smaller communities, despite all that, most pastors and leaders I know have still barely embraced a lifestyle of discipleship and mission for themselves, for their families, and they're not really promoting it to the church, their people, the family. Well, why is that? Here are seven challenges that I see and I hear a lot. And you know what? This is nothing new either. This isn't just new in sort of response to missional living or discipleship as a lifestyle, but here they are, and you'll maybe feel a few of these as well. The first one is time. That's a challenge. I hear this, I'm afraid of the real commitment to being and making disciples in community. Yeah, it's kind of an all-of-life thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's what we were created for, but it does take more time. You can't box it just like having a family. You don't say, well, I'm only a parent. I'm only married this many hours a week. I only, you know, see my kids. Sorry, it's after three or it's after seven. You're supposed to be sleeping. I can't talk to you. So it does take more time. That's a challenge. Second one is family. That's a challenge for a lot of leaders or even regular people. A challenge to living this way, a lifestyle of discipleship. They say, well, what if my own family won't go along with this? But that's where it has to start. It has to, right? And, and, and actually, that's the third challenge is just starting, just getting started. If I start and fail, I'll look bad to my people. You know, if it ain't broke, like, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. The challenge now, though, is we're not doing what we've always been doing. It's very different. It 
did break. The pandemic showed us the fragility of trying to organize primarily once a week. And our numbers weren't that great to start with in the sense of like, wow, people are really grasping this and they never would miss being together as the body on a Sunday. No, I think our national average here and probably in the Western church was something like 1.3, 1.4 times a month they would attend, something like that on average. So it's not a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Everything's changed. Don't let that challenge of, well, what if I start and fail? You got to get started like anything, <laughs> anything worthy and valuable. You got to get started and learn. And I don't see it as failure when we stumble and get up and learn and go, well, okay, now I know that, right? That's called learning. Here's another huge challenge to living this way. It's gospel fluency. People are honest and they'll say to us, well, truth be told, I've never been discipled in a way that the gospel was applied and allowed to transform every area of life. I've learned a pretty high degree of Bible literacy, maybe been to lots of Bible classes, seminary, maybe some MDivs along the way, who knows? But they think, but I have a pretty low gospel fluency. That ability to actually speak the gospel, speak the good news into every and any area of life, to experience it in every and any, every area of life, right? All of it. Like, that's what we mean by gospel fluency. And most people don't have it and they kind of know it. And so it's one thing to stand up with a prepared message and look smart and be smart and sound smart. It's very different to in real time with messy people, believers and not yet, bring the good news in our lifestyle, in our words, our actions, all of that. Number five big challenge I see is reproduction. A lot of leaders say, I don't have a reproducible way that makes disciples that make disciples and live out the life that Jesus did. I got a bunch of classes, but I don't really have a way that reproduces this in people. And I see them reproducing it. Like I've discipled some people. Generally, that means I've taken them through some studies or whatever. But even if you've really done it, is the way you're making disciples reproducing itself? The way that Jesus did certainly did because here we are still talking about it as his disciples here's another challenge this one's i don't even like bringing it up but i hear it a lot is money yeah and some of you are hearing this right now it's like well the whole sunday thing is weird and there's not hardly as many people here anymore and we're streaming it and well we get a pretty good stream number that's false it only takes three seconds to count as a stream no we don't know and we can't even see their faces now sitting in silence in rows. So, you know, but they go, but if we were to somehow pull this off and move our people, you know, they were to actually embrace life in a vibrant missional community, well, they might come stop coming to church on Sundays altogether. And then how would we collect their money and pay the bills around here? One time I was teaching at a seminary and actually the head of theology for that seminary was one of his classes and he was introducing me to a bunch of his students and he said, well, I want to let you know before Caesar gets started, uh, I know him, he's a good guy, you're going to love everything he has to say, but real quickly, you're going to start thinking to yourself, well, why aren't we living this way? Why haven't I heard about this more? Why isn't my own pastor leading us in these ways? And I just want to assure you that your pastor would not disagree with anything you're about to hear from Caesar, and it's all biblical. They wouldn't have no objections to what he's saying, except for financially. Yeah, they don't know how to manage that, so then they'd push on it. And go ahead, Caesar, you can get started now. And I was like, what? Did you actually just say that out loud? Yeah, he had. And I think if we're honest, 
for a lot of the church, they don't, if people aren't coming to receive their goods and services, they fear that. They fear, well, how would they, like, would they still keep sending in or, you know, throw, what basket could they throw in their money or whatever? I want to tell you that living this way and leading people this way and seeing multiplication and even new congregations forming many times this way, but of communities living on mission, we've never seen a money problem. People who embrace the gospel and live like a family of missionary servants support that mission and God pours out his blessings into those families. That will not be the issue. However, you might have a hard time paying the tab on that last big addition on your building or the build out or whatever. I would encourage anybody in this phase of our history and life as the church, you might want to put the brakes on any new building programs coming up. I I don't know. I'm not saying in every case, but I would be scared to death to be trying to build bigger buildings right now. I think we need to be using that resource and our time resource and our life resource to help people move into a lifestyle of mission and understanding how the gospel is good news all day, every day. Here's the seventh challenge. Uh, It's a big one. It's comfort. Yeah, it's the last one I have, but maybe it's the hardest to admit. People say, well, I really prefer my faith and ministry and Christian vocation just the way it is or the way it was. Thank you very much. I've worked it out, my time, my ministry, okay, over here, my family and my hobbies, everything in its place. And that's hard. It's hard to admit. But if comfort is getting in the way of life on mission, then I think we need to go for a long walk and talk to dad about that and see what the spirit is saying to our hearts. This all starts with you and your family, be it a church leader, a pastor, or just a believer who's trying to live this life and feels a call to something more, something bigger. You'll never lead others further or disciple them any better than you live this out in your own life and in your own household. You'll never lead anybody further than you're living it. This can be challenging for us to get our heads and hearts around because for many of us, we've built our Christian lives around a pretty much Sunday, mostly church service. Maybe we added in a midweek small group. Of course, that kind of got broke for a lot of people during the pandemic. Maybe an occasional serving project, but not this last year. But here's the thing. If we treat discipleship and mission like a weekly meeting or events on our schedule, even if our missional community life's that way, it's just an event, well, that's all it'll be, right? If discipleship and mission is a weekly event or a series of meetings, that's all it will be. And unfortunately, your relationship with God will mirror what you live and practice. And so will your churches. So will your family's life. Life with God will be nothing more than a scheduled event or now reduced to a live stream once in a while when it fits our schedules. Dallas Willard has said that every church, and therefore every church leader, should be able to answer two important questions. Maybe you've heard this before. Powerful. He says, first, What is our plan for making disciples? And second, does our plan work? Please hear that. Stop, pause, hear it again. In fact, I'm going to say it again. What is our plan for making disciples? And does our plan work? Most pastors and churches I know would sort of reluctantly say, well, we have a plan. But then if I dig a little deeper, it's usually a series of classes. 
and even if it, everybody in the whole church attended, that's not discipleship. My good friend Mike Breen says, if we're creating disciples who are far from the people we see in Scripture in the early church, and that's the rule and not the exception, we must ask ourselves why this is the case and how we can change that reality. That was a big part of our story and our journey for Tina and I is going overseas in really rough areas to be with the church that had nothing, no buildings, no programs, no money, in some cases no clothing or food, and just being the church. And then also simultaneously reading the book of Acts and seeing how the church lived and goes, oh, they look just like that. And then coming home and saying, hmm, that would not be the most common case here. And that's not what my life looks like. It doesn't look like the book of Acts or much of the church that has none of the trappings that we have in the West. They're being the church. That's not, oh, that's not how, I, that's not what I'm seeing so much. And that changed us. That caused us to be, you know, seeking the spirit and asking, how do we begin to live this? And God led us to other people who were asking the same questions and then led us out West to Tacoma to start living that way. We had no idea how it would go. And wow, what an adventure. Here are a few questions I suggest everyone, especially church leaders, ask themselves. First, have I been discipled, truly apprenticed in the gospel in all of life? Has someone taken me by the hand and I've seen their marriage and their parenting and how they work on cars and in the yard and what happens when they lose a job and when they sin and when they blow it and when they're stoked and when they get blessed and has someone apprenticed you that way in the gospel? Second question, am I living a life worth imitating? Yeah. And not just your spirituality. Like, well, I have my quiet time every day and, and I read the Bible. I read two chapters a morning. And not just that. Is your life in Christ, is the kingdom come so much in your life, in your family life, is it worth imitating? And then third, would young followers of Jesus or even not yet believers be able to model their lives after mine? Ask yourself that. And know how to make more disciples? Could they just look at my lifestyle and model that, and they'd be making disciples of Jesus. Not too many years ago, while I was still employed on staff at a large contemporary church, thousands of people, I had a pretty big, stark reality check, sort of a Kairos moment dropped on me. I realized I had zero non-Christian friends. I had some acquaintances. I'm talking friendships, people I hung out with, really liked and did life with. In fact, I hardly even knew my neighbors. I was just too darn busy pulling off all the programs that went on throughout the week after week after week. It mostly always, in fact, yeah, 100% in the church building. I know that's changed a little now, but I'm not that much for a lot of us as far as how we spend our time as leaders. But that was the case, and that never made sense. If I and a handful of other pastors and leaders in the church are supposed to be role models for the rest of our people, showing them how to live and make disciples as Jesus did, shouldn't we, shouldn't the pastors have loads of not yet believing friends? I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm talking about friendships, relationships. Shouldn't we be rock star disciple makers living the way that Jesus did, modeling the same life with that he did with his disciples? I think so. We get to, and that's what will produce the same fruit. 
for sure. That's what we've come to see. But I was asking myself that, and I said, nope, I'm not living that way. And I think we get to be. We, you know, should we be? Yeah, I think so. And here's the fourth question you should ask yourself Do I have a plan and a process, a method for making disciples that works and is reproducing itself to the third and fourth generations and beyond? Where, you know, I've not seen those people in just a bit, but then when I visited, when they, they got, they got grandchildren, so to speak, spiritually, and they got a life filled with people at all different rings of relationship and moving through their faith journey with them. And they've got people that are leading with them that came to faith, you know, a generation or two back, per se, you know, spiritually. Is that true for you? If not, I want to challenge you, get the training and the help you need. Admit that you don't have it all figured out yet. No more excuses. A lot of us have a lot to learn. Your family, your church, your friends are waiting. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said at the top of the podcast, I'd love to help you with this, any or all of this. If you're interested in learning a proven full framework for discipleship and mission, one that fits your lifestyle and schedule, not some heavy bolt-on. And if you want to grow in your gospel fluency in everyday life, starting with your family and moving outward to include more and more others, I'd love to tell you about the coaching we offer and the training we give. We'll set up a short Zoom call, get to know each other, and I'll tell you all about it. If you want to do that, get a little more information, set up a call like that, just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Now, as always, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's discussion. If nothing else... Don't want to miss these. And you can get a printable PDF of this week's Big Three as a free download. Download this if you want this for discussion by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G-3. Here are the big three for this week. First, God has always desired that his people, his family, would live together in such a way that the world would know what he's truly like. Let that sink in a little. Living a life on mission with God is the life you were created and saved to now live. And this starts by believing that you are part of a family, God's family of missionary servants sent as disciples of Jesus who make more disciples, filling the world with God's glory. Jesus is the glory of God. I know this sounds too good to be true, but it is true, <laughs> right? All right, number two, don't miss this. Your past church apathy if you have it, or lukewarm Christian lifestyle does not change God's love for you. You don't have to prove something first before God will bless you in starting to live this way or leading others to do that. He knows the plans he has for you from before time began. And those are plans to bless you and prosper you for your good in his glory. Ask God to forgive any past complacency and then to lead you to truly live the life he desires for you, your family, your church, all day, every day. And then number three, start making an intentional step toward getting whatever equipping you need and growing in your gospel fluency today. That is the biggest thing. You really need to start growing in your gospel fluency and having it leaking out in all of life. That'll change you. That'll change your family. That'll start changing your neighbors. Because a bunch of half-read books about all of this stuff won't do you or anybody else any good. Take a course if you need to. Get a coach. I'd love to be your coach. Find a missional mentor or a community you can learn and grow with. 
every day we have an opportunity to grow and mature in Christ and help others do the same. Life on life, life in community, and life on mission. That's what we were created for. You're not waiting around anymore, are you? Yeah, let's go. Woo, I get excited about this. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap us up here. Join me next week as I ask the question, is your church too busy for discipleship? Maybe they got a whole bunch of new challenges and excuses to hide behind. I sure hope not. It'll be a challenging discussion for many of us. Don't miss it. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.